koutou katoa, no mai haere mai whakatou mai, warmest greetings and welcome to you all. Today is a celebration of all things Shakespearean, it's a party. So welcome to all the fans, the lovers, the admirers, the revelers, the scholars and the researchers of Shakespeare's works. Here come the lovers, full of joy and mirth. Joy, gentle friends, joy and fresh days of love accompany your hearts. The quote from the Venerable Bard's work, Midsummer Night's Dream. It's my pleasure to introduce curator of rare books, Jane Wilde. Yoda Candy, and that's the first of the of the quotes. We're going to hear a bit of Shakespeare today. So tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to our Auckland First Folio celebrations. 23 April means we're the first and the furthest in the world at 11,386 miles from the print house in London, where the first folio was printed in 1623. Welcome to you all in the whare and welcome to our friends on Zoom. It's 11.30 p.m. in London, so it's not yet 23 April, but all over the world, first folios are in display cases. I encourage you to take a look at the Folio 400 website and you'll find us and, and many others. So today we're celebrating this World First Folio Day with a focus on our Auckland Folio. And we really are focusing in the, the nitty gritty of the folio. It's the only first folio in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And the title of our celebration quote is from Dr. Emma Smith, who many of you will know as a Shakespeare expert. She's published the biography of the first folio back in 20, 2016. And in doing so, spent many hours in the reading room here, reading our folio. We can thank Emma for insights into the life of the folio before 1894, when Sir George Gray secured it for Auckland. We've so much to thank Dr. Emma Smith for, her biographies in the reading room, and we look forward to her new publications in 2023. But there are many more people to thank, and we'll start by uh, introducing my colleague, uh, David Ashman, this morning. Um, when Sir George Gray purchased our folio, Bernard Quaritch, his London bookseller, apologised that it needed some repair. But the only man in London that can do this class of work is seriously ill. I must therefore leave it as it is. That was in June 1894. And that letter is in our display case. So in 2022, David Ashman, Manager Conservation and Digital Preservation here at Auckland Libraries, was able to complete the necessary work on the volume and retain the 19th century binding that it arrived in. And now on World First Folio Day, I'm delighted to introduce our talented preservation specialist, David, who's, who's completed the necessary work and we'll kick off our celebrations with his report. Namihi, David. Uh, tenakoto, tenakoto, tenakoto katoa. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for coming along this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about the conservation treatment. As Jane has already mentioned, there are a number of uh, related documents that live with our copy of the folio. 
in including the correspondence that was exchanged between the bookseller in London and Sir George Grey. Uh, this is the 1892 letter from Sir George in which he is inquiring about a copy of the folio in the bookseller's catalogue priced £85. Here we jump forward to 1894 where Sir George has written to the British Museum to make sure the copy he is considering to buy is authentic and value for money. The reply is that £80 would not be an unreasonable price. In this letter, Bernard Quaritch, the bookseller, writes to Sir George to inform him he had, he had bought a copy at auction that he'd liked so much he'd paid the advance sum of £255. Sir George could have this one for, the, for a nominal deposit, or he could offer another copy in not such good condition for £85. And... Uh, he went for the 85 pound copy as Jane has already mentioned. And this is the letter that uh, Jane referred to and is in the, um, in the case over there. So in 2016, it became apparent that due to customer de demand and exhibition use, our copy of the first folio was deteriorating more rapidly than we were comfortable with. In part, this was due to library customers requesting to see and handle the volume as a result of publicity generated by the pop-up globe and a prominent decal on the ground floor window. It was decided to withdraw the book from use until it had been conserved. The condition of the folio pre-treatment can be seen in the following few slides. The binding, probably dating from around the first half of the 19th century, is a full calf Leather, leather binding with decorative tooling on the spine and simple tooled panel on the front and back boards. It has had a reback that was likely done in the early 20th century or mid 20th century actually. Uh, a reback is a replacement leather spine repair. You can see the boards are badly scuffed, corners are damaged and along here the leather is beginning to lift quite badly. The Dutch marble end papers have split along the inner joints, revealing the cord attachments that are missing from the text block onto the boards, probably due to weakening over time and all being cut. The pages at the front and back were in, in the worst condition with fragile edges, losses, and previous quite heavy-handed repairs. Whilst the bulk of the text block was in good condition, there were around 20 pages dispersed throughout with tears and or losses. Before beginning any treatment, I conducted further research and consulted with book conservators in the UK and New Zealand. Having considered a range of options, I proposed the treatment that will be shown in this presentation. When considering a conservation treatment for a book of this importance and historic value, it is, it is essential to have a good rationale before interfering with it. I considered the badly damaged pages at the front and back that were susceptible to further damage if, uh, if they would continue to be used, also, the previous binding and subsequent rebacking has resulted in a tight opening, causing the pages to distort and buckle, resulting in a restricted angle of opening. Another decision was whether to retain the existing early 19th century binding or go for something contemporary to the period it was published, or something that was more modern but offered a better conservation outcome. However, the decision was made to retain its 19th century binding as it is part of the book's history and how it was presented by Sir George Grey to Auckland. I also made the decision to retain as much of the material that couldn't be put back as possible and leave any previous editions as is. This is all part of the book's history and may provide valuable information to future researchers. 
At the beginning of 2019, I was ready to present my report and treatment proposal to Georgia Prince, the former Rare Books librarian. This included dry cleaning the gutters, removing original spine linings and adhesives, repairing damaged pages, strengthening board attachment and the leather reback. This approach would ensure the damaged pages were less vulnerable to further damage, and I surmised that by removing the spine, spine linings, and glues and rebacking would ease the tightness of the opening and thereby reduce any cockling and distortion in the gutter. Once the treatment proposal had been agreed and signed off, I was able to start the conservation work around 2019. And the first thing I did was to sweep the over 900 pages and gutters with a soft brush. After completing, uh, or after the initial cleaning and flagging the pages where there were tears, damage, or other interesting features to return to later, and then suddenly everything came to a crashing halt. Initially, this was due to personal health issues that started in mid-2019 and carried through to March 2020. Then the first of several COVID lockdowns occurred. Eventually, there appeared to be some stability and we were able to return to the office. However, the building works to replace the roof at, in this library were now underway and we were required to evacuate the top floor, which is where the conservation laboratory is located. Uh, this carried through to early 2022. And just as I got ready to pick up where I'd left off with the conservation treatment of the folio, there were more personal health issues. I was beginning to think I was destined to never complete the work I'd begun back in 2017. However, I was finally able to get back to it in September 2022 with an intention to complete by Christmas. And my first task was to yet again go through all 900, all, all 900 odd pages, giving it a second sweep to remove any leftover debris and mark any pages I'd missed the first time through that might be of any. Uh, of interest for further investigation. Next was the scary part, making that first intervention that marked a point of no return in terms of interfering with the makeup and structure of the existing binding. So firstly, removing the original spine and uh, that was attached to the rebacked leather, leather, then scraping away with a knife uh, and applying a wheat starch poultice to soften the remaining linings and adhesives which are then carefully scraped off. And all this material is uh, retained and will be kept with the book for further study. Here we see an almost clean spine with just a small residue of animal glue, mostly between the sections. This would have been impossible to remove without completely disbinding, something that was undesirable and unnecessary, as for the most part, the sewing was in pretty good condition. With the boards and spine removed, the next step was to repair the damaged pages. With the sewing still intact, the paper repairs needed to be undertaken in situ. This is by no means the worst condition uh, uh, that appeared in the book, but it is a good example of the kind of paper repairs that I carried out. So you can see there are some corners missing, the edges are quite fragile. So the areas of loss there's, uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's been filled with a Barcham Green handmade paper that matches in terms of weight and, and character. Uh, on a historic book such as this, it is always preferable to be able to distinguish between what is original and what has been added. To that end, there's been no attempt by me to blend in the repair more than to ensure it is sympathetic to the original and doesn't leap off the page. 
And by the way, uh, Bircham Green papers were made at Hale Mill in the UK from 1812 until they closed in uh, 1987. And their wonderful handmade papers have been used by printers, artists and conservators uh, for many, many years. And I was fortunate to be able to visit the mill while it was still operating in 1984 and still have a stash of their paper that gets used very sparingly. Uh, here is an issue that cropped up in several um, places during the, uh, during the treatment. Uh, as you can see here with this transmitted light, it's quite dark in these areas, so the light shining through the, from the back of the page. And um, that's where the pages have been turned in and then the edges have been trimmed. And that probably happened during the 19th century rebinding of the book. Um, this means that if it is unfurled and repaired, it would stick out at the, at the edge of the book, and that would be uh, um, susceptible to further damage. So what I've done is instead I've left them folded still and just reinforced that corner with uh, a fine Japanese tissue as much as possible. And in keeping with conservation ethics, uh, this and all treatment procedures would be reversible if necessary. Once I'd completed the paper repairs throughout and so reduced the likelihood of any further damage, it presented a good opportunity to carry out digitization. And this is Joseph Brown, who is the digitization expert here at Auckland Libraries. He is highly regarded in this field and known for his expertise throughout New Zealand. This was the best time in the history of our folio to perform the digital capture in terms of the advancement of the technology that the book was now in an unbound state that meant it could be opened at a wide enough angle to capture right into the gutter and that Joseph Brown was on our payroll. Uh, I was now ready to put the pieces back together and first up was to apply a Japanese tissue lining with wheat starch paste. This was used rather than the traditional animal glue as it has potentially longer lasting properties. There were no existing end bands on the book, although there would certainly have been when it was bound in the early 19th century. It is highly likely they were lost and not replaced during the mid 20th century reback. I decided to go ahead and replicate with something close to what I thought would have been on that earlier binding. I chose the colors based on what I considered to be historically accurate. And the um, end bands that I, that I put on um, are a style that I was shown by a vellum binding masterclass with expert English bookbinder, James Brockman. And uh, traditional um, end bands of this style have a bead that runs along the top there. But on this one, you also get a bead running along the back, which affords extra strength in that area. The next, lining is uh, an archival calf leather, also applied using wheat starch paste. This is really to even out any lumps and bumps and so sand it down until smooth, almost back to the first lining. Then I've added an Oxford hollow to allow for a more flexible spine. Um, rather than having the leather reback and original leather spine applied directly to the back as it had been previously. The reback leather was the same calf leather as used for the second spine lining. And here is a demonstration, speeded up slightly, of, uh, of leather pairing. Um, in this shot, I'm using a uh, English style pairing knife. And that's just, I use that just for the edges. 
Uh, it's an important stage of the process in that it's uh, getting the, the, the pairing right allows for neat caps and outer joints. And this is a French pairing knife uh, for the beveling. Uh, the leather was dyed to match as near as possible, though with the colors varying quite a lot on the spine and boards, it was never going to be an even match. But as previously mentioned, as long as the new piece is sympathetic to the original, it is desirable to be able to distinguish between the new and old. And here's where I put the leather reback on. And uh, this is an operation that for me is always accompanied by a mild level, level of anxiety as it needs to be completed within a relatively short period of time, is best done in one go, and there is no easy way back if anything goes wrong. It involves applying the leather to the spine using wheat starch paste and then forming the caps at head and tail. And so, clicking the button to film myself in some detail, I carefully shaped the caps by working them with my bone folders, ensuring I was in view, moving towards the camera lens for close-up shots, and when all was finished, I moved slowly out of view to leave the now rebacked spine lingering in shot, only to find I'd failed to start the video camera. So here's a still image instead. And next was the inner joints. So again, another speeded up video. Um, and what I'm doing here is pasting the overhang that is attached to the spine. So that's, that was the first lining of the spine. And that gets pasted along the joint and affords some extra strength on the joint and, and helps with the attachment, reinforces the board attachment. And then a, Dutch mar a strip of Dutch marble paper, which I had in stock, which was really good. It wasn't, it wasn't an exact match, um, but it blended in quite nicely. At this stage, I was able to re replace the original spine. To prepare, I chamfered the edges and scraped off the previous reback leather using a knife. And so it was almost complete and ready for an application of conservation grade leather wax. This provides some protection during handling. And as you can see here, the finished book with new inner joints and uh, paper repairs completed here and previous decorated spine reattached. This clip shows the box that I made to house the folio with its existing box along with any extra supporting material and parts of the binding that were left over. So underneath the book was the were folders with the uh, treatment reports and like those extra bits of uh, doc, extra documentation. This is all the leftover stuff that came off the original binding. So I've included all the dirt and dust and bits of leather. And there are also samples of the brush hairs that I used for, for brushing. And here, just using paper fingers to uh, carefully lift and turn the delicate documents. So that's, that, that, that's the, book, the book complete. Um, what I'd just like to share with you now are a few discoveries I made during the course of the treatment. So whilst I was sweeping, there are all kinds of things that appeared. And whilst I haven't had time to study the debris in great detail, detail, I did see food crumbs, dead insects, insect frass, and hairs. And in this one, if you look very closely, it's quite hard to see. There is a hair that is in there, human hair, and that's actually bound into the book. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it's it might have belonged to the bookbinder, I guess, the 19th century bookbinder. In this image, um, a previous repair, I guess from the late 18th, maybe early 19th century, has been repaired using linen thread. And you can't 
really see it on this picture. It's, it's, it's in here and it's in this area. But if we look very closely, and this is, this is one of Joseph's fabulous uh, images. My photos were the earlier ones, which weren't quite so good. <laughs> but you can see how it's been sewn. So I've um, chosen to retain them as, as they are, rather than undo and carry out neater repairs, as this is part of the book's history and one of the features that differentiates it from other copies. On, on this page, uh, it's another rather heavy-handed repair where the original torn sheet has been uh, laminated to a whole new sheet of paper. If you turn the page, you can see on this side, it's just a, a blank sheet. But if you shine, when you transmit a light through it from the front to the back, down here, oh yeah, anyway, there's a signature <laughs> just here. And that signature hasn't been previously seen. So this is the, during this process, this is the first time it's been revealed and that, that'll be for others to um, study and, and investigate and see if they can find out anything about who, who it is. And if you cast your minds back to the slide where I talked about sewing the end bands and how they were missing from the book as it had been before I started the conservation treatment, and that I'd chosen the colors based on what I thought would be appropriate to the period of the binding. And after I'd uh, selected the colors, I um, placed flags in each of the sections, just at the place where I thought um, the tie downs would go. And during, uh, during doing that, I came across this, which is from the original, uh, well, from the uh, 19th century binding, and they're the exact colors that I chose. A very, very exciting find. Although a little bit surprising that I missed that on my first two sweeps, but it would have been, it would have been jammed right into the gutter. So I managed to finish the bulk of the treatment just before Christmas and was able to return the folio back to its secure storage with the other tanga that is looked after and cared for by Auckland Library's Heritage Collections staff. I feel extremely privileged and have had the, to have had the opportunity to work on such an iconic book and feel proud of the work I've done to help make it more accessible both now and for future generations. From a legacy perspective, this is a book that I will be connected to for as long as it exists. Researchers and conservators will know that I conserve this copy of the first folio. They'll read my reports, scrutinize the repairs, study the bits and pieces preserved from past bindings and repairs, and either curse or hopefully praise me for the work that I've done. And some of the lessons that I've learned or have been reinforced during the course of this treatment are to take time to gather, contemplate, and digest the information and options because the first idea is not always the best. And a, and a quote from Shakespeare, of course, uh, striving to better, oft we mar what's well. And just to finish off, an oldie but a goodie, if you want to give God a laugh, tell him your plans. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, David. And I, I should have said at the beginning, you know, don't try this at home, but you, you can see that... Um, it takes exceptional skill to do this sort of work. And we are so uh, delighted that we've had David with us um, for all those years. And it was, you know, a chapter of things that kind of got in the way, but good things take time and you've done an amazing job. So thank you so much. But, uh, as you could see with the um, close-up images that this is now with the online version, um, part of the world um, research canon for Shakespeare, 
Um, this will be on the Adam Matthew platform with other digitized first folio and um, that stitching and a lot of the annotations and the whole thing can be zoomed into and really analyzed. So thanks, thanks to this work, there's gonna be a lot more underst understanding of the first folio. So it's marvelous. Uh -huh.